Hey, everybody, this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast Podcast Network. I'm your host, Stephan Cox. Today, as part of our Town Hall series in partnership with the Washington Indivisible Network and Indivisible Tacoma, we present three candidates for the state legislature from the 28th Legislative District. Join us now for a conversation with Tawana Nobles, Dan Bernoski, and Representative Mari Levitt, recorded live on the evening of Tuesday, April 28th. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's Indivisible Town Hall. My name is Stephan Cox. I host the Washington State Indivisible podcast. Uh, special thank you to Kat Pipkin with the Washington Indivisible Network and Julie Onjewski with Indivisible Tacoma. And uh, thank you to all of you for taking the time to join us tonight. So uh, tonight we're going to be hearing from key, uh, three candidates who are running for state legislature in the 25th LD. This is a district that includes parts of Tacoma, as well as the cities of Furcrest, University Place, Lakewood, Stellicom, and DuPont. District also contains Ketron, Anderson, and McNeil Islands. This is going to be the format for tonight's program. We are going to get brief opening statements from each candidate, about three minutes each, uh, to introduce him or herself and to talk about why they are running. I will then have a short block of questions that are specific to each candidate, and then we are going to open up things to all of you uh, for your questions. I want to stress tonight uh, is especially for you, the viewer. We are very much hoping that this town hall provides a forum to get to know these great candidates, to interact with them, to ask them questions. For obvious reasons, we cannot have a town hall right now, so we are very much hoping to create that environment here tonight. So, as Kat mentioned, please use the chat bar for your questions, and we'll get to as many as possible. So, with that, let us say hello to our three candidates. Tawana Nobles is director of the University Place School Board. She's also president of the Tacoma Urban League, and she's running for state senate. Also with us is Representative Mari Levitt. She is representative in position one, and she is running for a second term. And Dan Bernofsky is West Pierce, uh, West Pierce County firefighter, and he is running for representative in position two. Hello to each of you. I'm so glad you could join us tonight. Hi. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Uh, Tawana Nobles, let's start with you. Uh, as I mentioned, you are board director with the University Place School Board. You are also the president of the Tacoma Urban League. And uh, as I mentioned, you're running for state senate. Tell us just a little bit more about your background and why it led you to run for office. Absolutely. Um, if For those of you who have not um, watched my TED Talk, please um, look up Debunking Superwoman because I get a little bit of time to introduce myself tonight. Um, but my TED Talk has uh, far more about my story. Um, but I, I grew up, both of my parents were in the military, and we moved all around the country. Um, I claimed the South as home, as uh, where, I, where I lived before I moved here. But our life, um, from probably the time that I was um, early ele elementary school, um, was filled with homelessness and abuse and um, just a lot of uh, mobility issues. And um, it was really important, even at a young age, that I gave back to the community. I remember when we lived in shelters, I would volunteer in the food bank or the clothing bank. Um, and I would volunteer at the local Boys and Girls Club. And um, so I've always had a heart to serve. It also um, was really important for me to get my education. I um, graduated from the University of Puget Sound and have a, a master's and, and bachelor's from University of Puget Sound. But my family was stationed at Fort Lewis almost 20 years ago. And um, I have made this community home. I jumped right in and started coaching on base at Fort Lewis um, as a military spouse then um, and um, fell in love with this, with this community. And like I said, uh, finished college here 
and um, started teaching. So my master's is a master of arts in teaching and my undergrad is in U.S. politics. But I started teaching. My first job was um, at a private school and then I taught four years at Stadium High School and one year at Lincoln High School and um, then moved to the Urban League almost three years ago um, when uh, Mayor Woodard's ran for office. And um, it's been really great to plant our roots here. I have three kids still in school here in University Place and I have four kids. My oldest is an adult and lives on her own, um, but have raised my family here and um, really love this community, have been involved in a PTA. And all I have ever wanted to do was serve because service is what helped me to become the person that I am when I had nothing. And um, like I said, I wanted to give back, but there were teachers and coaches and community members and community programs and um, women who ran the shelters and, and women who were CEOs and leader in my community that really inspired me. And I knew that's the person that I wanted to be. I wanted to be someone that could be trusted, someone that gave their all. Um, that when they left this earth was a completely empty vessel um, because um, I, I was able to give everything I had to my, you know, for myself, for my family and for my community. So um, stepping up to run now that I have served on the school board five years running for state Senate, just an extension of my passion for this community that I now call home and my desire to continue to serve. And so I am excited to run, um, even more excited to win with the support of all of you and um, look forward to having you learn more about me tonight. Terrific. And and we do as well. Uh, we will move on to Representative Mari Levitt. Uh, she, as I mentioned, is running for a second term in position one. She is a former deputy director of Pierce County Human Services, and she has a doctorate in community college leadership from Oregon State University. Uh, Representative Levitt, if you would just tell us a little bit more about your background and why you are running for re-election. Sure, and, and I'd like to um, thank Indivisible for hosting this town hall. You're right, it is hard to get out um, to meet folks and in the way that we would like, so very grateful for your service and doing this tonight. And again, my name is Representative Mari Levitt, and I have the honor of serving folks in the 28th Legislative District and for the last two years, and it's been my highest honor be behind being a mom and wife and, and being able to serve um, this district. And our district is really, um, I, I always say, I think it's the most beautiful district um, in the states. Um, and I, I know that others want to challenge that, but I think ours is quite beautiful and um, we're a diverse district. And so very honored to be able to serve um, this past term and want to be able to continue to serve uh, the constituents in the 28th. By way of background, I, I too, similar to um, Twana, um, came to, I lived in a lot of different places when I was young and then um, settled um, in Pierce County because my father served in the army and um, he was assigned at Fort Lewis. And so that's how I came because of my dad's military background. My father served at Vietnam and my grandfather served in, in World War II and the Korean War. And, and I went to Lincoln High School. And so lived in South Tacoma um, and I'm a proud Lincoln Abe. So go Abes. Um, and I'm um, also decided to stay in the Pacific Northwest and raise my family here. And I am a small business owner. My husband and I own a small business. I worked at community and technical colleges primarily and, and in post-secondary education for over 23 years and also had the honor to serve on a variety of different issues and our most vulnerable among us at Pierce County Human Services. And I'm um, also served on a variety of different boards, being able to give back. And, and probably the most important, I would think, is um, being a PTA mom um, and involved in my kids' classrooms. And um, so I've enjoyed that and, and I'm fortunate to be able to serve the 28th. 
Uh, let's shift over to you, Dan Bernoski. Uh, as I mentioned, you are a West Pierce County firefighter. Uh, you also hold a master's of public administration from the University of Washington, and you are running for representative in position two. Talk a little bit about your background and why you have chosen to run for office. Yeah, certainly. Uh, thank you. And uh, thanks to all of you for taking the time and the energy to sit here and listen to uh, learn about all of us and all of our issues. And uh, yeah, I don't take it lightly that everyone's taking time out of their evening to, to listen to us. So thank you for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Dan Bernowski, and I am running for the uh, State House of Representatives position number two. Um, a little bit about me, uh, born and raised in Pierce County. Uh, I've actually uh, never lived anywhere else in my entire life. Um, now I've lived in the 28th LD for probably about uh, 20 years. Um, when uh, I've always been drawn to service uh, growing up, I had the opportunity to enlist in the Washington Army National Guard when I was 17, and I was a member of a M1 Abrams tank crew. Um, after that, uh, worked a few jobs, but I uh, was fortunate enough to uh, serve our community by working for West Pierce Fire and Rescue. So for nearly the past 20 years, I've been a firefighter. Now I'm a, a, a captain on an engine company. Um, and, you know, I have, I am fortunate to be able to work with uh, our members of our community and, and take care of folks uh, in need. Um, and, uh, you know, I certainly don't take it lightly the responsibility that I've been given as a firefighter when uh, someone will, on their worst day, invite me into their home uh, to help take care of them and, and solve their problems. So, uh, but certainly it's a team effort. You know, I'm a team player and, um, you know, I recognize that being an elected, uh, if I'm fortunate enough to get elected, it's, it's, it's a team effort to, to try to work to pass legislation and policy that's going to take care of um, our community's most vulnerable and folks in need. Uh, one of my uh, proudest achievements, I would say, is being a uh, elected member of my union's executive board for the past 12 years. Um, you know, that's given me a unique opportunity to work on behalf and advocate for working families, uh, public employees, first responders, to make sure that we're taken care of, uh, making sure that we can go out and serve you uh, in the community a little bit better. Um, and it's been really, really rewarding. And I certainly uh, wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that experience. Um, yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, I, I did go to uh, University of Washington, the Evans School, uh, got a, a master's in public administration. Uh, very unique experience, very enlightening. Uh, it's an excellent school that uh, I was able to build a lot of good positive working relationships from a very diverse background of professionals from the spectrum of uh, uh, local government, state government, uh, nonprofits, a lot of folks that were pursuing education for the right reasons to try to uh, go out and serve their communities and, and work uh, for, for folks that, that need them most. And the reason I'm running is, you know, as a first responder and as a firefighter, um, you know, I believe I have a unique uh, insight uh, to help us uh, work as a team to solve uh, some of our most, most pressing is pressing issues, uh, homelessness, mental health, addiction, and certainly now we're all going to really have to work together and pull together to solve this or help alleviate some of the symptoms uh, brought on by the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, you know, that's something that we're uh, dealing with. We all are dealing with as a community, and uh, it's a team effort, not only uh, firefighters, police officers, uh, healthcare workers, but certainly uh, folks that work at the grocery store as well that, uh, you know, we're all lucky to have, that they're all willing to, to step up and come to work and put themselves at risk so that way we can uh, have some sense of normalcy. So uh, that's a little bit about me, and I look forward to answering any of the other questions you may have. Terrific. Thank you so much. And uh, for those just joining us, we are talking with three candidates who are running for the state legislature in the 28th Legislative District, uh, Twana Nobles, Representative Mari Levitt, and Dan Bernoski. And uh, Twana Nobles, I want to come back to you. Um, and I'd like to talk about your response to 
coronavirus, uh, particularly as a community leader, as you are, the stay-at-home uh, order has impacted so many people uh, all across the state, and I'm sure uh, very much in the 28th. Can you talk a little bit about how you are supporting community members right now? Absolutely. I mean, I have the privilege of um, not only being able to run for office and speak with constituents um, every day, um, but also as a CEO of the Urban League, my job is to help people. My job is to focus on healthcare, housing, education, employment, and justice, and to make sure that the community is supported and advocated for at all times, um, you know, to the best of my ability. And focusing now on COVID-19, I've been seeing uh, most of my time supporting small businesses, you know, helping um, businesses to navigate through PPP and idle and county and um, city funding opportunities and, you know, hunting down uh, CDFIs who are willing to uh, work with um, organize businesses here and organizations here in Tacoma. So focusing on other alternatives for small businesses, if we can't get them funding from their bank or from their credit union, but also um, helping community members around employment. So a lot of my phone calls are filled with folks who have been laid off. And while I too cannot reach another human on the other end um, at the unemployment office, um, I am there to reassure folks that, um, you know, whatever I can do um, to support them, if they're looking for part-time work or full-time work, um, I have been willing to help to uh, push resources out to the community. Um, at the Urban League, we're also supporting individuals with food resources, and as well as when we're making calls. We're strictly doing wellness calls on my campaign. We are not calling people up to talk about politics right now. We're simply asking, how can we help you? So whether it is food or housing, um, we are going to be doing some reentry um, support. So our community members who are um, being released from prison or jail, we are helping them to find um, housing and helping them with basic essentials. Um, so a lot is going on around COVID-19. Um, at the Urban League, we also have close to 500 people registered for our state of Black Tacoma, where we are saying um, for community members who are you know, most marginalized, how is COVID-19 impacting them? And so I, I am focusing on what the community needs now. How can I help businesses? Um, people are not interested in, in, in talking uh, politics right now. They want their business to be open and understand that we need to stay home now. They want to see their family members. They miss their grandkids. Um, they're missing um, ceremonial celebrations in our in our community. So I'm doing my best to provide resources and reassure our community that we will rebuild, we will get there. But right now there are things that I can do and I'm grateful I don't have a platform filled with empty promises of when you elect me, but right now I can do something to support you because that is my job. I want to go a little bit further on that because, uh, as I mentioned, you are a University Place School Board Director, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about about how the pandemic has impacted education in the 28th, and both from the perspective of School Board Director, but also from the viewpoint of a mother of four who is educating her children at home. Yeah, you know, the struggle is real. I have three kids at three different levels, elementary, well, in here, in our district, primary, um, junior high, and high school, and my older kids, actually all of my kids have multiple class and specialists to balance. So um, to speak of my role at home, to run a state senate race right now, to run a nonprofit organization right now, and to run my household as well as a new homeschool um, is a tremendous feat. But I'm, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a 
I'm a woman, so I, I believe it's what we do. I'm a black woman, so I, I will make sure that I take care of business. Um, but it definitely is emotional, right? It's um, I want to do my best. A lot of things have been added to my plate, and I, um, you know, was not prepared to open school um, at home, and, and it's a lot to navigate, a lot of information. Um, so I definitely can uh, relate to other families and have encouraged them to just take one day at a time. That's what I do when it comes to my kids. We do what we can, but our um, our, our mental health, our, our physical health, our, you know, the joy that we have, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So we have to prioritize family and what's important and being together and um, taking a breath, but not focusing on, on stress. And I really do um, commend our district in a lot of ways, our, our teachers, our administrators who acted fast, um, who stood up schools online and were honest about the inequities that existed. Not every student has technology, not every family um, has access to the internet. And so working really hard to find students, to find families, to serve our McKinney-Bento students, um, to figure out how to keep our um, classified um, employees working. And, you know, bus drivers are not driving around students now, they're delivering food. So everyone has had to pivot and be flexible. And um, there are still lots of questions that our community wants answered, you know, what's going to happen to our seniors? I'm used to graduating hundreds of seniors and handing diplomas, um, you know, at, in, in spring. So um, a lot has changed. But for my family, we are taking it one day at a time. I, I am encouraging community members to take it one day at a time. And I'm grateful that our school district, while being flexible and while also taking direction from OSPI so that we can be informed and know the guidelines and make decisions locally um, and, and make the best decisions are also um, deeply concerned and, and taking care of, to the best of their ability, families and seniors, um, and making sure families have resources and, and meals, and students have access to their counselors and psychologists and specialists um, who are important to their academic success. So a lot is happening, um, and although I just communicated a whole lot, it does not feel chaotic. I think our community is doing a really amazing job. Um, taking it in strides and taking it one day at a time and working together um, and being responsive. So I'm really proud to be on the school board. I'm um, proud of my kids who are so resilient, like every other student, just, you know, they do what the adults tell them to do and, and, and man, are they, are they doing it? So I'm grateful that my kids are in really good spirits. And, you know, my daughter quit gymnastics after 10 years to try out for volleyball and um, volleyball was in March, like the, <laughs> the week after they were released school. So um, we're in it for the long haul. And um, I'm excited to be able to serve this community as we rebuild and, and have to make, um, you know, all the decisions that we, we need to make that will will be tough, but necessary to, to move us forward. Terrific. Okay. Tawana Nobles, thank you so much. Uh, Representative Levitt, I want to shift over to you. Um, in the House, you are the vice chair of the Committee on College and Workforce Development. And I'm wondering how you see the role of secondary education in putting people back to work as, as Governor Inslee lifts his stay-at-home order. Yeah, our, and, and thank you. I, I serve as vice chair of the um, colleges or the House College Workforce Development Committee, also serve on the Housing Development and Veterans Committee, Capital Budget Committee, and then the Joint Military and Veterans Committee. And you, you can hear veterans as a theme. I've failed to mention, for those who don't know and are watching, JBLM is part of the 28th Legislative District, um, as is Camp Murray and the Washington National Guard. As a legislator, 
we have um, several calls each week with a variety of different groups, whether it's the hospital association or the credit union association or different groups. And one of the groups um, serving in the role that I do has been our post-secondary institutions, um, private and public, two-year, four-year um, and beyond. And our post-secondary education institutions are strong and they're nimble um, and they're struggling right now uh, because of um, having to close down and, and what that looks like. And so prior to um, 20, 2008, our post-secondary institutions were very strong and, and um, they were moving in the, in the great direction. And then when the recession hit, um, the first thing, one of the first things to get cut, significantly major cuts, um, were in post-secondary education. And just this past couple of years, they started to bounce out of that. And now with COVID, they're finding themselves in a really challenging place where many of our post-secondary institutions have moved to online offerings similar through to the K through 12 school district. Um, and um, most programs are able to do that, but some programs in our community and technical colleges that are more hands-on based experience um, that's really difficult. And for our independent colleges throughout our state, that's really difficult. And so they're navigating um, in the world of COVID, what's that's going to look like for those kind of occupational degrees or certificates that you can't just learn in an online format where you really need to, um, to be with folks. And, and what that's going to look like um, is going to be different for our post-secondary post education institutions. And so that's been really a struggle. And they're also looking at solvency issues. Central Washington University recently, um, their board of trustees declared a financial emergency. And what that means is that allows them to make some decisions on behalf of their institution. They're the only one in the state. Um, and so I don't think that folks who um, are at different institutions need to be concerned about that. And Central's working very hard to be able to shore up those programs. But I think in the world of COVID, it's going to look different. Uh, we're hoping that um, in the fall, that school will resume in the way that it has been, um, certainly with social distancing models in place. But we're hoping that for those certificate programs in particular and the, the professional and technical programs that I'm most concerned about, because those are the programs where people um, get jobs and can get out in the workforce. We know that we're going to have a 740,000 um, workforce shortfall um, coming in the next you know, few years and, and or certainly in the next near future and how we train those folks and get them ramped up is going to be really important. And it's going to be very difficult when you've got institutions who may find themselves in a situation where they're needing to cut programs in order to be able to afford what they're currently doing. So it's going to be a challenge. Um, but as folks or industry changes, the community and technical colleges are nimble and flexible and they're able to ramp up or ramp down programs as industry demands them to do or an industry needs them to do. So I think we're, um, we're prepared to have a strong system, but it, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for the institutions and for students trying to, to navigate. We've had students who were getting, um, had paid jobs on campus and no longer have those paid jobs on campus. We had students who had housing, um, sometimes for the first time, you know, um, and they no longer have housing. So it's a challenge both for our students and our institutions going forward. All right. Representative Levitt, thank you uh, so much for that. Uh, Dan Bernoski, I want to bring you into the conversation. As we know, uh, Representative Christine Kilduff has decided not to run again, and she is endorsing you for her seat. Can you talk about what that, uh, that means to you? 
Yeah, certainly. And thank you for the question. Um, it, it means it means everything to me. Um, you know, I certainly wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for her uh, encouragement and, and direct support. Uh, you know, I, I'm honored to receive that support. Um, I'm humbled and I certainly don't take it lightly. Um, she has built a great reputation and built a lot of respect uh, amongst uh, a lot of folks in our community and, and done a lot of good things. And certainly uh, been, been a great advocate for our uh, legislative district in Olympia. And to be uh, asked uh, to uh, step up into this role, um, you know, I, I, I can't say anything more than, you know, I'm honored and humbled. So certainly, um, you know, it's going to be a huge challenge, right? Um, uh, the, the, the nice thing about um, if I'm uh, able to get elected and fortunate enough to, to serve, um, that resource will, will always be there. Um, I will always be able to, uh, you know, reach out and seek advice as she is uh, a mentor. And I certainly look up to, to her and her experiences and, and what insight and experience and, and uh, wisdom that she has to provide and bestow. Um, and certainly, you know, take that and apply it into uh, things and in, in, in insights that I have as a firefighter and first responder. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't look at it as much of as, uh, you know, uh, Representative Kildub is completely going away, but uh, just uh, transitioning uh, her wisdom and her knowledge, uh, hopefully uh, into, you know, someone like me. And then I can take that and build upon that uh, and continue to serve uh, our great community. So. Uh, I thank her very much for her endorsement and her support, and uh, I couldn't do it without her, without her. So thanks for that question. Before we move on, I do want to ask you, uh, as as a firefighter, I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about your experiences as a first responder during uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, certainly. So it came on all of us slowly, right, as we all have that shared experience. Um, but it really drove home to me personally when I was quarantined for two weeks because uh, I had been in contact with a coworker who had tested positive. And fortunately for me, um, it was I was completely asymptomatic. Um, it was all precautionary. Um, but it wasn't just me. It was about 20 other fellow firefighters here at West Pierce. And that's a good percentage of our overall workforce. So it really hit home to us, to our labor group, and to our administration to make sure that we do everything that we can to make sure that we are uh, being uh, cautionary. We take a lot of precautions and that we wear uh, a, a lot more additional PPE that we wouldn't have normally in the past. Uh, we respond uh, a lot more or uh, cautiously uh, to folks that are uh, complaining of, of COVID symptoms. Um, we, um, uh, you know, just take the time to keep us safe because if, if we're not able to show up to work, we're not able to, to remain healthy, uh, we can't take care of you. Uh, certainly, you know, the N95 and personal protective equipment shortage uh, that we're still experiencing was uh, a real challenge. And certainly, uh, you know, our administration, um, you know, uh, should have uh, prepared a little bit better our current uh, federal administration for, for something like this. So we have to uh, scrape together supplies and PPE, and certainly uh, we're fortunate enough to live in this state with the leadership of Governor Inslee and other uh, individuals in charge that are able to procure the items that we need, but there is still a shortage. I mean, make no mistake, um, you know, we uh, as the fire department are doing okay right now, but that's not to say that if uh, cases start to spike again, we won't be short of supplies. But there are certainly other first responders that um, are rationing supplies like we were when this uh, COVID crisis first uh, came to be. You know, I was working with some law enforcement officers the other day that uh, still have to ration their N95 masks 
um, because uh, they don't have enough to where they could change them out every time they interact with a, a new member of the community. So, and the problem is because COVID-19 uh, is a, a lot of people are asymptomatic and they can still transmit the disease. Those are law enforcement officers that are uh, putting themselves at risk above and beyond because they still don't have adequate numbers of PPE. So, uh, you know, certainly keep that in mind uh, when you approach a law enforcement officer or any other member of the community, you know, social distancing is still important for all of us, but, you know, especially for those workers as well. And, uh, you know, again, let's not forget, um, you know, the bus drivers and the grocery store workers that are still, uh, uh, dealing with shortages in these PPEs, uh, this PPE, so that way we can go out and continue to live our lives uh, with relative normalcy. Uh, you know, and I will say, I'll give uh, a shout out to uh, the labor movement uh, for really stepping up and for uh, taking care of its membership, uh, namely uh, the State Council of Firefighters, uh, the United Food and Commercial Workers. Uh, they've really advocated for their uh, membership uh, to make sure that they have the protections in place uh, to make sure that they're fairly compensated for working in a dangerous environment that uh, some of us just don't have to work in. Um, and they're really leading the charge with research and recommendations and PPE recommendations to make sure that all of us stay safe that we, so that we can support you. So, you know, I think uh, the labor movements and unions are a real unsung hero uh, in making sure that uh, we navigate through this pandemic uh, with as few casualties as we possibly can. So uh, thanks for, for everyone and, uh, you know, keeping that in mind when you go to the grocery store or you interact with friends, family, certainly first responders and public employees. Well, and thank you uh, for your work. Uh, if uh, For people just joining us right now, we are speaking with uh, Tuana Nobles, Representative Mari Levitt and Dan Bernoski. They are all running for state legislature in the 28th legislative district. And uh, we're going to shift over to listener questions now. Uh, we have so many. Uh, I'm going to really uh, lean on all of uh, you three to really keep your answers as tight as you possibly can, because we want to get to as many as we can. Uh, and we're going to start uh, with you, Tawana Nobles. Um, Governor Inslee has said that he is planning on lifting the stay-at-home order in stages. I wonder if you can give us your response to that plan so far and, and how you think it'll impact the 28th LD. Yeah, I think um, stages is definitely smart. I don't want us to move too quickly here in our community. Um, I, like everyone else, um, am excited for our um, our community to resume, but I want to make sure we don't land back in the same um, predicament that we are in now. So it's important for us to move slow. I think what it means for the community is folks will still be um, pretty fearful to leave home. I don't know that folks will jump right back into traveling and, and living life like normal. I think people will need um, to re, you know rebuild their lives and um, rebuild their income and reconnect with their families. And so um, whether the, the, the governor does it or not, our communities will be moving slowly um, and picking things back up one day at a time. Uh, along those same lines, Representative Levitt, um, the economic recovery will likely stretch into next year's legislative session. I'm wondering what you would like to uh, accomplish and, and really see the legislature do to help put Washingtonians back to work and back on the road to recovery. Thank you for that question. And the, uh, our economy in Washington state is, is hit hard. You know, our small businesses in particular um, are in, in, that are the backbone of our economy. It's where um, most folks in their community and in their neighborhoods have their jobs. Are, are, um, some of them are not going to come back. Um, they're just not going to be able to recover. And that breaks my heart as a small business owner um, who shut down her practice as well for a couple months to follow PPE guidance. I understand that. And I've talked with with folks who are just really struggling 
to um, either to take care of their employees and take care of themselves in order and their business in order to come back. And so our, our economy is, is uh, and the state budget um, and the forecast will um, guide us um, in um, what we're going to need to do when we get back to Olympia and, and whenever that is, if it's a, um, some stop gaps moving forward. And between now and January or in January, we've heard anywhere from three to five billion dollar impacts to the state budget, uh, which is a significant amount. And, and it could be upwards to six billion dollars over a three to four year outlook period. And um, which is you know more significant than the Great Recession back in 2008. Um, for those who I've talked to who have been around before, they, they see this um, as even being more dangerous and more difficult um, for the folks in Washington. And so our, our efforts are going to be about how do we shore up our small businesses and how do we provide recovery efforts for them. Uh, the Department of Commerce had a $5 million grant program that went super fast uh, because $5 million isn't a lot when you have so many businesses that are struggling um, and trying to keep their employees. Employment security departments um, is flooded, as we all know, and people are struggling to get in contact with them. And they are working around the clock to be able to um, hire up and, and um, ramp up so that they can serve all of the workers who have real need and, and are in dire circumstance. And so um, the recovery efforts um, is part providing relief to our small businesses and fast, it's ramping up employment security. But moving forward longer, once we get the economic forecast, we're gonna need to find some ways to provide opportunities to provide relief to small businesses, whether it's being a tax relief or any other kind of, of effort and energy to put into um, to programs that are gonna build them up for those who, who make it and um, provide some relief for those who are on borderline that if we uh, move quickly, that they're gonna be able to, to stay and, and those employees are gonna be able to remain employed. Um, and part of that will be workforce development, I, I think as well for those who lost their jobs, we're gonna be able to, we're gonna need to ramp up programs to serve them as well. Uh, Dan Bernoski, I'll, I'll basically put the same question to you about economic recovery. Uh, should you find yourself, and we hope that you do, in uh, Olympia next year, what sorts of things would you like to see legislatively to help uh, people recover in the 28th LD? Yeah, so clearly we all need to uh, pull together and uh, you know support the small businesses for right now that are still uh, open and available. Uh, I certainly have been uh, ordering a lot more takeout and uh, buying a lot more stuff that uh, I'm, I could probably could have uh, held off on. But, uh, you know, when it comes to specific policies, uh, folks are going to need relief. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are unemployed and they're going to continue to be unemployed. There's a lot of small businesses that can't open back up. You know, so what can we uh, do to help alleviate some of those pressures? Um, you know, this is something where I'm going to have to, you know, work as a member of a team to uh, build upon uh, some of my experience with my education that I uh, received from the University of Washington to try to uh, come up with some real analytical solutions that, uh, uh, are really going to help us alleviate this uh, huge challenge. And um, there's no silver bullet because it's, it's affecting everybody. Uh, there uh, are no revenues. People are out of work. People are genuinely hurting. People are, are concerned. Uh, people are getting sick. Uh, it, it's a huge, huge challenge for, for all of us and, and 
for all of us that are uh, going to be moving on to the legislature. So, um, yeah, you know, let's just continue to focus on working families, focus on the folks that are most heavily impacted by this entire pandemic. Uh, you know, let's not lose sight of folks that are out of work right now and small businesses that are shut down. You know, I am extremely fortunate and privileged that I'm able to, to go to work, uh, you know, every day as a firefighter. And I, I don't take that for granted. So, um, you know, certainly uh, let's talk to some experts and talk to some uh, economists that have some, some really good ideas and come up with some really good solutions to make sure that people don't suffer. I want to move on. Thank you for that. I want to move on to the topic of health care. We got a number of questions about that. And Atwana Nobles, we'll start with you. Um, I will just ask you generally, if you feel that the, the pandemic is changing the attitudes of people in the 28th around the issue of health care as a right. I don't know if it's um, changing how folks feel as a right. I know um, there are lots of questions about um, how do folks get treatment now and, um, you know, being able to um, speak with your doctor over the phone isn't solving a lot of the problems that exist now. Um, I think our community knows that it's it's important and it's it, it's a right that we should have and it should be affordable and we need to have access and, and quickly. Um, I think if anything, folks are just terrified to get the help that they need right now. I mean, it's their right. Um, but are people receiving a treatment that they need now beyond, um, you know, elective surgeries? But we are well aware that this is a right that we have and it's necessary. Um, we just want to make sure our system can actually, you know, handle crisis and, and it is shining light on. We want to make sure our healthcare system has resources. We have that. We definitely have the expertise and, and we have. Um, um, professionals who have um, heart and, and are ready to serve. We just have to make sure that our, our community members um, have health care that is um, going to serve them well and that is affordable. Well, and, and speaking of that, uh, I will just ask you how you see a pathway to affordable health care uh, for residents of the 28th LD. Uh, are you in favor of, of a Medicare for all style program? Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's that's perfect. We'll leave it right there then. Uh, and I'll shift over to you, Representative Levitt, and, and basically ask you the same question. How do you see, and I know that we uh, have made some strides in uh, the legislature. We know that you worked with the governor on Cascadia Care, uh, the legislature did. And I'm wondering how you see a pathway to affordable health care for residents, not just of the 28th, but for uh, all Washingtonians. Yeah, I, I think the COVID pandemic has has you know, illustrated what um, some of us have already known for a very long time, that there's health disparity in communities of color. Um, and COVID certainly um, is, is shining that light, but that light has been shown, whether it's um, pregnant women, um, for maternal mothers, the, the mortality rate for women of color is significantly higher. Um, the, um, the, the kind of the, the quality of healthcare is different in different communities. Um, and um, while there has been work that's been done um, for on those efforts, there's still a lot that we need to do, whether it's kids with asthma um, because they're living in, in poor areas um, and, and poverty and their air quality is different um, or kids with diabetic challenges. And so that continues, but what COVID has done is just shine, you know, it's illustrated again, um, that those health disparities that we need to continue and, and, um, continue to work on Washington state is still, you know, it's leading the nation on a lot of great healthcare initiatives, cascade care and, and moving um, towards a public option of some kind working with the bipartisan group of what that may look like, um, provided uh, making sure that there are options for people to choose different healthcare uh, plans that make sense for them and their family. 
um, is important, uh, providing uh, behavioral health care. Uh, we've made some great strides in, in you know, when we talk about health, I, I think of health holistically and, and you know, the, um, the, the behavioral health is a big part of that. Um, we, we talk about health. We've done some great strides on oral health care, um, in particular communities that have had um, oral health care deserts, if you will, because oral health care is tied to physical health care. Um, and there have been some health clin or dental health clinics that have been started in different parts of the state um, through the capital budget um, that have um, helped those communities um, start to catch up um, and so that there's some fairness and equity. And so we still have work to do, but Washington State is really leading the nation on its significant healthcare initiatives, and we'll continue to do that in this upcoming session. And I'll just ask you flatly as well, do you support a Medicare for All style program? You know, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with the the um, healthcare task force that, that's working on the public health option and, and seeing what makes sense for Washington State, whether it's a, it's a, a one- payer kind of initiative, or if it's providing different options for families of what makes sense for them. And, and we'll let that work group do their do their great work and, and see what they come up with. It's a bipartisan group, and I look forward to their recommendations. Dan Bernowski, I'm just going to let you kind of unpack everything that we've talked about here. And I think I'll just start by asking you uh, the top question. Do you support a Medicare for All style program uh, for residents of the 28th and, and, and all of Washington? Well, I'm certainly supportive of whatever policy that provides the most access to healthcare to the most amount of people for the most affordable costs. And if that's something that uh, the work group comes together and determines is the appropriate solution, then so be it. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of uh, folks that rely upon employer-based uh, healthcare, and that works for them. Uh, there are folks that uh, would like to see uh, perhaps uh, the, the ability to pay into a public option, and perhaps that would work better for them. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot of uh, aspects that, uh, you know, people would prefer. So, um, you know, whatever, again, provides the most access in the most affordable way to the most amount of people would be uh, great. Certainly there's uh, innovative solutions, too, that some folks are, are looking to uh, provide health care when it comes to uh, areas that are medically underserved. For example, the entirety of Pierce County is designated as a medically underserved area. So there are uh, uh, other areas across the state. I'll, I'll mention uh, Point Roberts, for example, on the uh, Canadian border where uh, they had literal no access to health care, as in uh, the doctor uh, that used to work up there had retired, and uh, they couldn't go into Canada to get their health care, and uh, it certainly isn't uh, convenient uh, to drive through the border or hop on a ferry or a boat to get health care. So what innovative solution did they come up with? Well, um, they uh, had a change in state law to allow the fire department up there to lease space to a local health care provider. So that way it incentivized someone to stay and keep roots in that particular community where there wasn't a big uh, ability to do, it, was, it would be difficult for a healthcare provider to earn a living. So when local entities are able to help uh, subsidize and incentivize uh, uh, doctors and healthcare providers to serve these medically underserved areas, uh, it works out better for all in that, um, you know, that is literal access to healthcare that it wasn't there before. And that's certainly not to step on the toes of other uh, agencies that are in place, whether it's a rural hospital district or, uh, you know, a place like, uh, you know, here in Lakewood where we do have a hospital. But certainly uh, we do have isolated communities in our district, uh, namely Anderson Island uh, and Getron, where perhaps they could uh, seek to benefit for some uh, innovative solution uh, to where they don't have to hop on the ferry to seek health care. Um, and then, you know, certainly uh, I'll, I'll mention the, the COVID thing one more time. Uh, you know, we are seeing a drop in COVID-related deaths, 
but other deaths um, that could or could not be COVID related um, have been going up because people have been afraid to go out and seek uh, health care when they've been needing it. Um, you know, so we need to make sure that uh, folks aren't afraid to seek the health care that they need. Uh, so if you're suffering from chest pain, shortness of breath, stroke symptoms, anything that would be a, a normal medical emergency on any other given day of the week is still a medical emergency under the COVID pandemic. So certainly seek that health care. Uh, you know, we're, we're losing community members that, uh, you know, probably don't need to be lost because there's that fear of going to the hospital and contracting the virus or getting someone else sick or vice versa. So thanks. Thank you. Um, Representative Levitt, uh, I want to start the conversation uh, now on climate uh, because we've gotten quite a few questions about that. Um, as we know, the legislature uh, made some great strides um, and we had some setbacks in the form of uh, 1631. And so I'm wondering in a, in a second term for you, what your priorities would be in terms of climate policy and how you would seek to implement those. Thank you, and, and thank you for that question. And, and I, uh, I'll harken back to the earlier question uh, about healthcare and, and um, the the quality of, of our environment is, is directly related to the health of our our communities. Um, and we know that you know the, there's a disparity in communities when you don't have clean air and clean water. And for me, that is paramount. I mentioned I'm a mom. I've got a daughter with asthma, and and um, our healthy environment. It, is personal for me and it's personal for our family. And so um, any um, any policy that we approach, and we've done some really great work, whether it's um, you know taking a look at transitioning um, buildings, you know, wh where our emissions come from primarily are transportation, infrastructure, buildings. Um, and so trying to find ways to minimize um, the, the emissions that we, um, you know, do to, to impact our environment. You know, the, the science is clear. Um, climate change is, is, is real, and we need to do everything that we can, whether it's clean clean water, clean air, but also taking a look at clean energy jobs. You know, there are a lot of jobs in the clean energy sector. In the timber industry, for example, out um, in Clallam County, they're transitioning some of their, their um, industry to working on clean energy jobs um, and, and doing that. Up in Whatcom County, they're transitioning some of their workforce um, on some of the plants to um, clean energy jobs. And so um, there is a way to correlate jobs with the kind of work that we need to do to, to ensure that people are are being responsible if they're a corporation or a business owner, they're being responsible in the work that they're doing. And also that we are as individuals that we're doing everything that we can to, um, to shore that up. And, and whether it's for personal health or whether it's to ensure that our salmon, um, are, you know, have um, freedom, um, you know, we, there's the, we still have culverts um, both in the state and, and um, in the um, city and counties that we have a Supreme Court requirement that we need to clean up. And, and that's a three to $4 billion effort right there, um, the cost of doing that. And that's just for the state culvert. So there's a lot of work to do, but certainly culvert and fish passage um, is part of that, but also air quality and, and anything we can do to minimize um, the impact on our air quality in, in our communities is critical. I will just ask you uh, as a follow-up to that, because there's been a lot of controversy around uh, Puget Sound Energy building a liquefied natural gas plant at the Port of Tacoma. Um, what, if anything, have you done to support environmentalist groups who are challenging that or challenging new fossil fuel development in, in Tacoma or, or in the state? Well, I haven't been, been part of, of those particular groups. You know, I, I've been uh, working full-time and as a mom of, of many 
Benny's children and a small business owner have been active um, in those areas as well. But I've supported legislation, and which is why I've been endorsed by the Washington Conservation Voters in the past and Sierra Club and, and other environmental groups because I recognize the, the need of, of what we need to do. And there are ways, you know, we're not going to be able to switch over um, any kind of industry by flipping on a switch, if you will. And we often talk about switches when we're talking about COVID. And you can't do that in the environmental sector either. And so moving towards those clean energy jobs and having jobs in, in the in the meanwhile, for families who who really are relying on those to take care and and get their kids to school and and take care of their families and communities is critical. And so, finding that balance while we move quickly and rapidly and intentionally um, towards clean energy is what we need to do. Okay, terrific. Uh, we are running very short on time. I have uh, so many questions, and I just want to let people know that uh, we will forward your questions to uh, the appropriate party to to get them answered if you do not get them answered here tonight. So we just want to say thank you uh, to everybody who has uh, given us such wonderful, wonderful feedback on all this. I, I will uh, address the issue of homelessness because I know it continues to be a challenge all over Washington. Twana Nobles, how is it impacting the 28th, and how would you work to address it? Yeah, especially now um, facing uh, COVID-19, we definitely have, um, we just had a conversation yesterday asking a question um, about how our homeless community members, our community members who are currently experiencing homelessness, like how they how they are doing. And then the 28th is important um, right now and moving forward that we are making sure that services are provided, that there are um, spaces where our community members can, um, can, can shower, um, can get resources that we are you know, ramping up opportunities for um, affordable and attainable housing in our community. Um, but we know there are some community members who do feel um, more safe outdoors. And I think respecting that, but making sure they have exactly um, what they need um, in our community. But, you know, right now facing COVID-19, it is, you know, how are we um, providing shelter? How are we providing um, housing and clean spaces and also reminding our community to be respectful. Everyone right now is facing a, a pandemic, even our community members who are experiencing homelessness. And while we may be seeing um, less of them because, you know, our community is not congregating and we're practicing social distancing, they are still here. And th these includes adults and children. And so to make sure that we are thinking of the family unit, which impacts also education, how are those kids now surviving and families that are living in cars. So there's a lot to consider and I, it is a priority to me to make sure that we are housing individuals who need to be housed and making sure we are providing all of the resources for them to be um, successful and to get on their feet and for community members who choose to be outdoors that we treat them respectfully and that we are also making sure that we care about their mental and behavioral and physical health and we provide the resources that they need. And I also want to say, because I didn't get the climate uh, change uh, question, but I, I too am, am, am a climate champion and have been working with um, local environmental organizations um, in partnership um, with Ryan Mello and Melissa Malott, um, Pierce Conservation District and Citizens for Healthy Bay and doing my best to learn more and more about the um, uh, LNG tank and understanding that it, it is built, but let's make sure that it does not um, you know, happen again and do everything that we can to keep our environment clean um, and, and fight for clean technology and clean industries and, and to protect our, our shoreline um, and, and so much more. Um, but I am a champion there as well. Um, and thank you for the question about our um, 
our homeless community members too. Well, yeah, thank you for your answer. And Dan Bernoski, um, I really want to, we have like four minutes left and I really want to make sure that everybody gets uh, ample time to uh, give just a final statement. Uh, I hate to have you do this, but I, I do want to kind of fold those two questions in together if we possibly can. I'd love to get your thoughts on environmental policy uh, and then uh, I, I would have a, a follow-up about uh, the way that you might address uh, homelessness in, in the 28th. You think you can take that on? Yeah, let me let me wrap up uh, homelessness really quick. Uh, there's no silver bullet solution to this one either. It's multifaceted and certainly has to do with housing affordability, uh, mental health uh, addiction, uh, and making sure uh, resources are adequate and available for folks to take care of it. And it's certainly a regional issue. Uh, you know, it doesn't end at city borders. It doesn't end at Seattle borders. It doesn't end at Tacoma borders. So we all need to do what we can as a region to help address this. Uh, specific to climate. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I want clean air and clean water just like everyone else does. Uh, I love Puget Sound. I am an avid fisherman. I want to see healthy salmon runs. I want to see our shellfish, crab, uh, oysters and clams protected. And that only comes from a good environmental policy that reduces pollution. Uh, reduces carbon pollution and uh, you know certainly want to leave that for future generations to, to enjoy uh, and certainly not just myself so uh, we have a big part to make sure we take care of our environment make sure Puget Sound is taken care of. Terrific. Well, uh, Tawana Nobles, Representative Mari Levitt, and Dan Bernoski, I want to thank you all so much. Uh, we have just a couple of moments, and so I will just get some uh, final thoughts from each of you. We know that this is a very, very difficult time to uh, run a campaign, um, and so I would just ask you, uh, Dan, we'll start with you. Um, first of all, where can people learn more about your campaign, and, and what specific needs do you have? Yeah, so to learn more about my campaign, go to D Dan Bernoski, D-A-N-B-R-O-N-O-S-K-E, Dot com. Uh, that's my website. And uh, we're keeping folks posted on my uh, Facebook page, also my Twitter account. Uh, Facebook is uh, Dan Bernoski for State Rep. Uh, yeah, and we put up, we will put out communiques if you sign up for email updates about uh, what's going on with my campaign, uh, updates on issues, updates on policies that I care about. Um, you know, what I need from you most right now is to stay healthy. Stay home. Take care of yourselves. Uh, there will be a time in the near future where all of you, where all of you will have the opportunity to help all three of us uh, win our elections and uh, get the volunteer work in, uh, you know, sign building, doorbelling, et cetera. So first and foremost, take care of yourselves. Uh, Tawana Nobles, uh, I will put the same question to you. Uh, just some final words about your campaign. Where can people learn more and what specific needs do you have? Absolutely. Um, our community has an opportunity to elect um, a senator that cares about the community, that is here for the people. And so I ask you for your vote. Um, I also want you to check out my website at tawananobles.com. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're doing wellness check calls. Uh, those are our virtual phone banks. And you can you get to stay in the comfort of your home just like you are now and help us to connect with community members to see how they're doing. Um, and if they're interested, um, you can share more about me. But number one, we are just making sure our community is doing Okay, and then we're also gonna kick up some um, civics conversations with me on Sundays. I realize a lot of our community members have not been engaged and it's important to explain what is a senator? What does a senator do? Um, as well as some of the other facets in our community. Um, but reach out to my campaign manager, Danielle. She will take care of you. She's fantastic. And visit my website, tawananobles.com. Volunteer with us every Tuesday and Thursday for our wellness checks and our virtual phone banks. Representative Levitt, I will give you the last word tonight. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where people can learn more about your campaign and specific needs that you have and just final thoughts. Thank you. And again, thank you to Invisible, Indivisible Tacoma for hosting this and to all of you for taking time out of your evening and away from your family um, to join us. 
I, I think that, you know, my needs are our community needs and two things come to mind and, and, and that are um, critical in the 28th and also in Pierce County and that's food insecurity. We have some great community folks who are doing food pantries through Nourish, through WashingtonFoodFund.org. So food insecurity is, is a, a, a dire need in our community. And if you can contribute or you can participate in some of those meal delivery programs or donate to WashingtonFoodFund.org, please do. The other thing is give blood. Our food, our blood um, banks are needing blood. Not only do they need it to serve our COVID patients, but they also need it for all the other kinds of things that you normally need blood in. And they're saying that they're, the, the blood banks are 50% lower than they normally are. If that is an essential service, so you can give blood, please go out and do that. And I, on, and if you need anything, you're in the living in the 28th or you're not, please contact my office. It's really a truly an honor to serve you, our veterans and our military family, our community and to continue to work on housing and all of the really important issues that we have been. And, and again, grateful for being able to serve you and, and um, look forward to seeing you on our campaign trail. You can go to our website, marielevitt.com, but two things, food and security and give blood and wash your hands. Thank you. A big thank you again to all of our candidates, Tawana Nobles, Representative Mari Levitt, and Dan Bernoski. Thanks again to Kat Pipkin with the Washington Indivisible Network and Julie Andrzejewski with Indivisible Tacoma. And special thanks to Robin Gittleman for fielding our viewer questions. A reminder to join us on Tuesday, March 5th. We will be speaking with Carrie Hesch and Joyce Stanford, who are running for representative in positions one and two, respectively, in the 26th Legislative District. And that is it for today's show. Our website is indivisiblepodcast.org, and our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. and is part of the Demcast Podcast Network. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Kowal, and as always, my thanks to you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.